It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 54. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to bring you a first-time guest on the podcast this week, a guest whom I think we'll have on many, many times over the next few years. We'll talk Golden Gopher Volleyball today with brand-new head coach Keegan Cook. Keegan took over the Gopher program in late December and is now entering his second month on the job. He's been a very busy man during the first month, finalizing his coaching staff, recruiting players, trying to get his family moved to Minnesota, and much, much more. So we're thrilled he's taken some time to share his thoughts on that first month of the job. We get his thoughts on coaching philosophy and what to expect, and Keegan gives us all kinds of great inside info as he gets ready to take on the challenge of Gopher Volleyball. Classes have resumed this week on campus for his players, recruiting has a big weekend this weekend, and more. So stay tuned. As always, our Go Gopher podcast is presented by alumni owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone. And True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. Get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business valuation started today. Make the most of your life's work. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or TNMA.com today. The Go Gopher podcast with Mike Grimm is also partnered with Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union. Like the Gophers, Affinity Plus is fundamentally sound with preparation, focus, and follow-through. Affinity Plus is a local Minnesota credit union providing all your banking needs, including a top-ranked mobile app. And talk about community involvement, they've got it, including great work with Special Olympics Minnesota with the upcoming Polar Plunge. Check out more at affinityplus.org slash go Gophers. Our podcast is also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com. Our podcast originates from the Aquarius Home Services studio for episode 54. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast. It's free to click that subscribe button at any point and listen at any time for free. You can go back and listen to previous podcasts. That includes last week's show where we took a deep dive into Golden Gopher basketball with the Big Ten Network's Corey Provis and the Gopher Radio Network's Spencer Tollickson. I invite you to go back and listen. This week, we're talking Golden Gopher Volleyball on the Go Gopher Podcast episode number 54. My conversation with brand new head coach Keegan Cook is next. I'm Clay Geary, walk-on, turn scholarship, wide receiver for Gopher football. And I'm Ben Utek, U of M alumni, Super Bowl champion, and Tony Dungy Uncommon Award winner. We understand championship culture, which is why we're part of the True North family of companies. True North invests in only elite teams, like the champion team at Sunbelt Business Advisors, Minnesota's largest seller of companies. To learn more about True North and our diverse family of independently owned companies, visit truenorthequitypartners.com. Hi, Gopher fans. Switching is easy. We do it all the time. We switch on lights. We switch TV channels. We switch on the TV. And with the new transfer portal, some college students even switch colleges, which can seem crazy to us diehard fans. But what's not crazy is how you can switch and save with State Farm. In fact, my agency can switch you over so we can start saving today. My team is ready to welcome you to the State Farm neighborhood and show you it is, in fact, easy to switch and save. When you want the real deal, check us out at champlininsurance.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's episode number 54 of the Go Gopher podcast, and we're going to talk volleyball with brand new Golden Gopher volleyball coach Keegan Cook. He joins us in our podcast studio, and uh, good to see you. Good, good to see you as well. 
So this might be one of your first few chances to, you know, sit down and we'll have a nice in-depth conversation, find out a little bit more about you. But and as we get into that, I first want to ask, what's it been like here this last month now with uh, all kinds of things going on, including new job? And I know you're, you know, uh, deep with the Volleyball Coaches Association and all of those things. So what, what's what's this last four weeks been like? <laughs> <laughs> my, I think my line has been it's been not boring yeah. uh, is the best way I've described it, but just uh, a whirlwind in all the best ways. And uh uh, some days a test of patience, but but mostly just a uh, huge sense of energy and excitement on my end, and lots of flights. I would say I've been flying around the country, meeting families and, and spending time. And uh, but yeah, today first day of uh, classes uh, again, renewed energy and excitement to see this building full. Yeah, as we are taping, it's a Tuesday, so first day of the spring semester 2023. And um, you have, I think this week, we'll have your first, what I guess you would call full team meeting maybe as they start to get settled in. Is that right? Yeah, tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., sit down and uh, with our entire staff and our entire team and, and, and get rolling here this week. Give them a week to kind of get acclimated to being back in school and lifting, and then the volleyball starts next week. What will, uh, I mean, by the time people listen to this, the, that meeting is likely going to be over. But uh, as you uh, prepare for what might be that first team meeting, what, what is your message going to be to the team? And what kind of things do you want to make clear here as you start? Yeah, uh, the, uh, what I've said from the very beginning, people values volleyball. And then we've been in the people phase for the last month in terms of uh, making sure that we've got all of our players and staff uh, and as well as looking at some graduate transfers as well. And now we're entering the values phase. And then can we really set a foundation for this group moving forward? And so that's the bulk of what happens this week, uh, talking about program values and individual values of the athletes. And then, and then, you know, what collectively does this group want to accomplish? So that's, I think, the very first thing we begin with. And of course, the, the competition will start in the fall in terms of real competition games that you count on a win-loss record. But this is a valuable time of year, right? Not just because it's your first time and first go around here, but uh, a lot of stuff can happen in the spring that can set you up for success or not success, right? Mm-hmm. When the fall, the real year comes. Yeah, you know, every team starts the same. I think people think you just kind of roll from, from one season to the next, yeah. but every year there's a renewal process and a setting of a foundation. And I think sometimes you can make the mistake of thinking, all right, we got everything in place and it's just going to happen, but it doesn't. You have to go through the work every single time. And so we're starting off just like every other team in the country right now in terms of setting a foundation for what this first year will be. Um, as we talk about the last four weeks, uh, including and in taking a new job for you, is also assembling a staff, um, yep. which is a key piece. So tell us about your coaching staff now that you have it finalized. Yeah, the, the two thoughts I had were uh, everyone's overqualified for their position, and I probably shouldn't say that publicly to, to them, but uh, and everyone was my first choice, and everyone had options to go elsewhere. So, so everyone uh, who's joined us chose Minnesota uh, over multiple offers to go elsewhere, and they were all my first choice. And so that was a huge deal to me um, to get exactly who I wanted. And, uh, and so, yeah, Kristen, Eric and Kai are all here and, uh, and they're getting to work and it just feels like this is the staff that, that I've dreamed of building for a long time. If you can, just for, for each of those, we don't, you don't have to spend a lot of time cause we'll get to know them as the, as the years go by, but what did you like about them and what, uh, you know, cause as you know, you need uh, some cohesion and, um, you, you want to be on the same page, but you also want people, I suppose that will challenge certain thoughts to, to create 
initiate conversation to try to be better and kind of mm-hmm. take me through maybe uh, some strengths and weaknesses and what you liked about each coach. Yeah, associate head coach Kristen was really, uh, again, number one choice, very experienced within the Big Ten, uh, both at Michigan State and Northwestern, extremely high integrity, well-connected on the re- recruiting front, uh, and that was just had huge value to me personally um, coming into a new geographical area. So um, that was the big, big hire for us right off the bat. And then I thought, okay, what do we need to make sure that the gym is is great from day one in terms of volleyball? And, and then Eric Barber came to mind, someone who spent time with me at Washington, but then went out and carved his own path at USC and UCLA and Cal Poly and has picked up new ideas and methods. But someone that I knew I would trust from the very beginning within the gym. And then Kylan Munoz, uh, you know, played for me at Washington, uh, went off and, and had an incredible coaching career at Utah Valley at LMU. And uh, again, they all share high integrity and high ability and, uh, and I think a great sense of connecting with, with young people these days, which is really important. And then as you get all ready, are you guys, uh, have you have you got a house yet? How does that all work? Because there's a professional side, right? And now there's a personal side where you're literally moving a family, uh, you and your uh, wife and your son. And how, how is that all going? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you don't want to say. No, I'm you? trying to figure out if my wife will listen to this because uh, she's not satisfied with our current state. Uh, it's not the ideal time to sell a house or, yeah. or buy a house. I don't think anyone's looking to move this time of year. So things are a little slower than we'd like to be. But one thing I have enjoyed is, is is exploring the greater Minneapolis area and seeing potential neighborhoods that we live, we could possibly live. Um, once we get those things settled, I think uh, everyone in the family will be much happier. But uh, yeah, that's that's where we're in the works right now. Yeah, that's always right. The the, the trick is the uh, to balance that, and then the, that first year is tough because you know, uh, and we see this with with all kinds of coaches and sports. And sometimes it's a hotel for a while, sometimes it's an apartment for a while, sometimes it just fits and it and, and you find a spot and it works. So it sounds like you might be in the middle there as to where where. <laughs> Heading both on on the West Coast and here uh, in Minnesota, so so good luck with all of that <laughs> as you work. All right, so let's go back to um, how this all came about. Uh, you were a sitting coach in the Pac-12, a high major, lots of success there. Uh, been to a Final Four. Um, what about? the position when it opened, and and maybe you, say what you want to say about it, but how did it come? to pass that that there was a connection made that one my hunches are probably people in Minnesota saying well I'm not sure that uh, you know that, that here's a guy that's going to want to leave his spot if we could get him great and there's probably an aside too where on your side you're like uh, you know I'm in a good spot uh, but that might be a, a new spot for me so how did that mm-hmm. all evolve yeah it wasn't uh, it wasn't comfortable I, w- I would say you know I think in in all of my moves from institution to institution I've always had a feeling that it was time to come, and, and I've never been looking. It's never been a matter of ambition and looking around and trying to line up the next job. All of a sudden, it just hits you, and you know. And um, lots of outstanding positions have opened within the Big Ten and other places nationally, and um, haven't looked at any of them. Haven't felt that that calling. Um, this hit me different. It was unexpected, obviously. Very happy. Love my time at Washington. Will always be important to me. Um, love the community I built for my family. But you you get that calling and, and you either answer it or you don't. And if you don't answer it, I think you tend to, to, to have some regrets. And I wasn't ready to do that. So that that's how it all started. And um, and you know, and then it was things move quickly at the end of the season. Your season ends, and 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 Minnesota was prepared and ready to ready to make a decision. And so uh, yeah. You had to make some quick, fast decisions and trust your intuition and 
And so it was a whirlwind that first week, probably. Yeah, as you, so the season ends and then kind of take us through and again, share what you want. And I know there, you know, sometimes in job situations or there's intimate info that maybe you don't want to share, but whatever you're comfortable sharing, how did the interview go? Uh, and then did you come out here to look around or did you make the decision before you even got here uh, that this was the spot for you? Yeah, it was, again, very um, aggressive uh, interview process, very quick and efficient. Again, that they had done their homework. And um, so it came on a visit, um, you know, very quick. I'm not sure how many hours I was in Minneapolis enough to see the facilities and, and meet Mark and, and Julie and then and then back to Seattle. And then a decision was expected pretty quickly. Yeah. And um, and then it just set off a, a series of events over the course of 48 hours that, that were extremely challenging. You know, how do you um, make a good last impression on people that you care about? And, and that that conversation I had with the players at Washington was was extremely difficult and it didn't have enough time to you know tell them everything that that I felt about them um, but that's how it goes in this business you have to be ready to, to move quickly and Washington has since made an outstanding decision for them both of my assistants at Washington actually end up getting head coaching jobs Leslie Gabriel at Washington Jason Mansfield at Kansas State and as those things started to happen I start to feel even better about my decision that that things are happening as they should yeah and because the culture can carry on at Washington and so people uh, you, you always want to, when you leave, uh, you know, you want to still have a caretaker that, that, you know, cares about something that you've poured so much into. Mm. Um, and so that part of it's good. And then here you are at Minnesota. So what stuck out to you when you came in in that quick snap to say, because, you, you know, you don't want to make a lot. You, sometimes you're, you're forced to, I suppose, in COVID times, a lot of interviews were done on, on Zoom and you couldn't make visits and these things. But you want to, before you make that decision, really come in and at least take a look. So did anything stand out to you when you were in town for those those quick few hours before you ultimately made the decision? Yeah. First off, probably the character and the impression that, that Mark and Julie made on me, you know, um, in that process was huge because because places are wonderful, spaces are important, but but people are, are, the, are the first thing that matters. And, and so they made a huge impression on me. And then just the level of support that I could see that I've been invested in volleyball um, was just on another level. And, and um Again, you need to be growing in life. You want to be moving forward. Uh, Minnesota volleyball matters. I wanted it to continue to matter. And I thought at some point I could be the best person for this job. And if I don't take it and someone else takes it and it doesn't go well, that's not great for, for college volleyball. And so there was a sense of responsibility, which is something that's always kind of uh, aligned with me. You you mentioned Mark and Julie. That's Mark Coyle, athletic director, and then Julie Manning, you know, associate athletic director. And um, she has had a role in a lot of hires here and obviously just uh, really good at what she does. Um, as you talk to them, um, did the and and obviously they were comfortable with you and you felt like that was good uh, right there and that people uh, that there was a clicking there you mm-hmm. clicked with them mm-hmm. yeah sincerity high aspirations but also high support when you have those things all together you think all right this is someone that I want to work with and pursue great things with and so those three things came together in our conversations that that they had high aspirations for for what this program should be able to accomplish but they were going to support it at that level and and that they were sincere that that it's not uh, some sort of just transaction that they do care that volleyball matters to this university and this community and to them and and 
you know, that was more than enough to tell me, okay, this is this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Then you see the pavilion, uh, Maturi Pavilion. Um, it's a, a building when you count the Williams Arena part of it. And, you know, at one point hockey was played there and um, it's almost 100 years old, but there is some charm to that building. And then you factor in a season ticket base that's uh, that's amongst the best in the country. There's sellouts on most nights. Um, it's hard to get even single game tickets on occasion. Um, how much did that factor into uh, your decision as well? Yeah. Hugely, you know, again, you want it to matter. You want this experience to have meaning for, for you and your staff and your players. And when you're part of a larger community, it, it means everything. And so there's been lots of uh, late lonely nights in the PAV. You know, uh, I've got an office there where I've, where I've imagined what that first match will be like and what some of those great moments will be like. And I know it's going to exceed, you know, even my, my daydreams of it at this point. But um, yeah, that, that space again, has a history and, and has a reputation that I've yet to experience that I'm, that I'm greatly looking forward to. Have you found two, I mean, there is a good local volleyball community. I know you want to recruit at a national level and, and that has been the case, but there's also good, one, just good local talent with good players, but also a community support where um, like I used to joke a little bit sometimes with Hugh, like if, if, if the school would announce that Hugh was going to go uh, I'm just throwing something stupid out, but go brush his teeth out front, there'd be a crowd of a couple hundred people just to come and watch because that you know they want to be supportive and there's you know there's clubs and there's different things have you been able yet in this short time to kind of catch a glimpse and and a feel for just what the volleyball community in general is like here and not just even college volleyball but club and high school and those kind of things yeah stopped a few times a few warm welcomes that were unexpected you know i think the the funniest experience I had, I was walking with Kristen, you know, after moving one of our freshmen the other day, and there was a group of young fraternity uh, gentlemen shoveling their front yard, and one of them stopped, dropped the shovel, and introduced himself and said, welcome to, to Minnesota. And that, I mean, that just struck me. You don't have something like that happen to you uh, in Seattle. But um, again, passionate fan bases in both cities, but there's a knowledge of, of volleyball here. There's a real interest uh, to know the game on a deep level, uh, as opposed to more of a, a feverish general sports population, I think, in Seattle. This is, there's a different level of uh, knowledge of the game out here, I think. Yeah, and I think you even mentioned on the day you were introduced, um, and again, I, I know you weren't taking a shot, certainly at your old school, but that you didn't even have a news conference when you were hired for that job at Washington. And here, it was a pretty major thing. They brought in a riser and stage and a podium <laughs> And media members from all over the the, the town were in, and and uh, videos and interviews and all that stuff. So, and, and look, the the sport has even evolved in the last six to ten years. Now there probably is a news conference, maybe you know, and I don't know how it was handled at Washington for your predecessor, but or, or your successor, I guess. But um, even that has changed a little bit. Uh, did that? Uh, how was that day? What was that day like for you with the with all that attention? Yeah, a little. I mean, more than surreal. I mean, I walked into the pub like I had many days before that, and then I saw the setup and I thought. I should probably take some notes uh, before I go up there and speak to the community. It, it, it caught me a little bit off guard uh, in a good way. And then, you know, you're trying to trying to be sincere in, in that conversation, in that press conference. But there was definitely an element of, OK, this is a this is a different experience. One of the few experiences I haven't had in volleyball. Uh, and so it, it was fun in that sense. But. I definitely felt a little stiff, but I thought I did the best I could. I thought you were great. It was great. Yeah, it was good. It was absolutely outstanding. Uh, So you come from the Pac-12, which has had a great story tradition. National champions come from that conference to now the Big Ten, which has also had, you know, a great story tradition, maybe top to bottom, I think, 
you know, depth-wise, it's probably the best league for the last eight, ten years, right? I, I, I think. Um, I would guess most, you know, uh, certainly people from the Big Ten would would suggest that. You may have a different thought coming from the Pac-12. But what is the difference? Like, I'm thinking from a football perspective, for example, you know, the Big Ten has a reputation, all, and sometimes I don't even think it's right. Like, oh, it's a ground-and-pound league. But then you look at an Ohio State and a Michigan, and they're as fast as anybody. Um, and is there a similar, uh, like, is there a style difference? I mean, not saying like, hey, here it's ground and pound and volleyball, but um, are there stylistic differences? And take me through your approach in terms of if there are, how you transition now to the Big Ten. Yeah, good, good question. Um, I think less stylistically and more uh, in terms of the the attitude of the, of the programs and the athletes. There's a, there's a bit of a competitive edge, maybe because we're in such such close proximity to each other, and and the athletes often grow up playing against each other. That that there's a different level of uh, you know external uh, competitive spirit that that's shown, and, and some real intense rivalries uh, that maybe I didn't have that same sense uh, in the Pac-12 being spread out a little bit more geographically. I think is what stood out to me. Everyone seems to have a chip on their shoulder for. <laughs> At every single school, everyone's got a reason to have a chip on their shoulder for who they're playing. That that is something that I think has stood out as I've as I've watched some of the film. Yeah, and from that standpoint, then can you use that at all? Um, you know, I, and I, I guess I was I was going, and maybe this isn't a good question now based on your answer because my thought was I'm going to lead into that and then ask, can you bring Pac-12 volleyball to the Big Ten, or do you have to be different? But maybe that's not even a topic worth discussing because volleyball is volleyball. Good question. <laughs> Am I bringing anything from the Pac-12? Um, I think it's less specific to the Pac-12 and more specific to me and what I hope to bring. You yeah. Know, um, you know, just what we were able to do in my time at Washington, how we cared for our athletes while still having having high performance is something that I think I'm pretty passionate about. I'm not happy with uh, the state of college volleyball. I'm not pleased with some of the trends that exist. I tried to exist counterculturally to that. I tried to get myself involved with the ABCA and with USA Volleyball because I think we have a responsibility to be part of things bigger than ourselves. And my hope is uh, when we uh, have success here in Minnesota that it does have deep meaning and maybe it changes uh, the trend of things that we're seeing in college volleyball in terms of uh, the kind of experience that athletes have uh, over the course of those four or five years. Yeah. All right. I'm going to take a little detour based on that answer. Um, what what are some things, let's talk philosophically nationally, that you aren't happy with that you'd like to see maybe get back on the road to the to the right track? Yeah. I think we've made a lot of progress in the last 10 years, you know, in terms of how we help high performance, uh, high performers, excuse me, with, with just the mental stress of, of performing at a high level. And one thing I worried about in college volleyball is that recruiting got so aggressive and, and we've made some progress there that um, when athletes do find adversity as they do, whether it's academically, socially, physically, that, that coaches had an ability to go out and find a new player really quickly to replace that athlete. And, and athletes responded in kind with the transfer portal. And, and so how we're responding to adversity I think has, has gone the wrong direction. Instead of supporting those athletes and getting them through it and having these big growth moments in life, both parties have, have started to kind of look for a different situation. And my hope here is that when the difficult moments happen with our athletes, as they always do, that they feel supported, that they overcome them, they develop skills that will affect them for 40 or 50 years in their life. And um, but, we, but we have to live that in those moments when it happens. And, and, and so that's something that I think um, – we can do a better job of in this industry. Yeah, so less quick fix and just leave someone off to the side and more, and maybe there's got to be some hybrid in there because at the end of the day, you also have to win, but that, but then you maybe see a rival school or some other schools that aren't, it's hard to legislate some of that, right, in terms of what might be right 
and what is right to somebody might not be right to somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's a legislative uh, issue. I think it's more of just when those moments arrive for our athletes, how do we respond and, and what, what do they experience? You know, their, their perception can often be, be reality, you know, and, and one thing you'll hear me say a lot to our athletes is just, hey, our feelings are real. You know, they need to be validated, but they may not be always be reality. And helping our athletes have a perspective of their experience that, that, is, that uh, is, you know, even outside of how they're feeling in a current moment. Yeah. And I'm going to show a little naivety here. In volleyball, there's always there's always been, I guess, quote, a transfer portal, right? There was never a sit-out year, at least in the last few years. So a, an athlete could transfer without penalty mm-hmm. in volleyball, even before the, quote, transfer portal started. Mm-hmm. So, but um, in other sports, basketball, football, others, now this transfer portal has made it no sit-out year and those kind of things. And we've talked about this in other podcasts and just even on shows that that has created, not that there's anything wrong with transfers, but there was a stigma on transfers at a time, particularly in football and basketball. Oh, man, they're taking a lot of transfers. Or, oh, man, that kid transfer must have an issue to where now maybe it, it's more accepted. And in some cases, that's good. Like the welfare of the student-athlete, if he's in a or she is in a bad spot and they can transfer without penalty, that's fine. Fine. But volleyball has been dealing with with a no penalty transfer for a while. Mm-hmm. But the idea with other sports now also dealing with it, it becomes more acceptable. So it becomes a, a bigger issue. I won't say problem. Maybe it is a problem at times. Mm-hmm. So how have you seen that? progress, if at all, from, you know, through this? Because volleyball is in a unique situation, mm-hmm. different than maybe football, basketball, and others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, maybe one thing that I, I think I do appreciate about the the, the portal and, and just the ease in which athletes can move is there's now a greater responsibility on coaching staffs to take care of their athletes. So that aspect I do like. I do think the bar has been raised in terms of level of care that you should provide your athletes. So, that, so that's something, despite the bad rap that it gets sometimes, you know, um, I've had a number of experiences with transfer athletes, a graduate transfer from Oklahoma who, who had a four-month experience, and, and she bleeds purple even after that time, you know, and then another graduate transfer from Maryland who went on to be a multi-time All-American. So the experience can be great. You know, sometimes people do need a new situation. Um and so, yeah, we're, we're certainly active in the transfer portal looking for, for future gophers. So, again, it, it's, um, I don't know, it's a polarizing space, you know, but how you navigate it, uh, I think, is, is, is the most important thing. How, if you could wave a magic wand, would you build a roster um, based just on your own philosophy, regardless of what others do? Because sometimes you might have to construct one, maybe not exactly how you'd want to, I don't know, I don't even know the right word to keep up or to do, you know, to stay competitive, but magic world, wave a wand, how would Keegan Cook like to construct a roster consistently over a course of a period at Minnesota? Mm. Yeah, yeah. The word that came to mind was, I want to, I want to, deep, long-term experience when possible, you know, and so athletes, I think, who have more uh, volleyball ahead of them than behind them, I think is something that's always been one of my priorities. Uh, athletes who, who who manage failure well, because becoming great involves a fair, <laughs> fair amount of failure, so how have they navigated failure in their lives in the past? And... Um, yeah, there's always a level of industriousness that's required, a level of work ethic. You know, we're here. You know, we're choosing to be here. We could be doing anything else in our lives. We could be spending time with our family and people that are important to us. If we're going to be here, let's be here. And there's a certain level of, of grit and industriousness that I think existed both in Seattle and in Minnesota that that kind of connects with me as well. Yeah. And, you know, if you... Um you can use the portal potentially, okay, it didn't work out here, something goes... 
I might need a setter right now that we thought somebody, you know, how it goes. So sometimes you have to call upon it just for simple needs to, to kind of stay where you're at too, right? Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think you'll think, I think you'll find that I, that I won't reach. I, I won't take an athlete that I don't think has a meaningful role on our team, both in the short term and the long term. It, it's too much time. It's too, each person is too important to just kind of apply Band-Aids and try and just get by. Yeah. You know, it, it's too intense an experience. I want to be with young people that, you know, for as long as I'll have them and then beyond that, that I'll have a meaningful relationship with them afterwards. And and so um, I think that's something you'll see whether someone's here for eight months as a graduate transfer or they're here for five years. I hope that it's a really deep experience for them. Sounds to me like you in your ways of coaching um, are a guy who is going to be hearing from his former players a lot then because you have built uh, those relationships, which seem to be important in terms of your philosophy. So tell me uh, what some of those uh, conversations are like then with players um, that you might have coached 10 years ago and players maybe you've coached six months ago to stay in touch and find out and watch them start families or play professionally or whatever it might be. Yeah. I think I start every conversation with, I'm so sorry I wasn't a better coach back when I coached you. <laughs> I think that's where I always think just in the nature of growing and getting better, you look back and and they with a lot of grace always talk about, hey, it wasn't as bad as you thought it was, you know, and I really enjoyed my experience. And um, again, it ends so abruptly, you know, you, they move on to their next thing. You know, some athletes go pro in December. Some athletes go right into graduate school. And so usually it takes a year or two for them to, I think, for them to realize what they had. And uh, usually when they enter the workforce, I get that first phone call saying, man, it was so good. And I really appreciate the time that we had. It's This is not like <laughs> the college volleyball experience. And um, again, I think that's why I, I don't know, I'm a pretty staunch defender of this four or five years for, for these athletes, how special it is to uh, be able to grow and take risk in a relatively safe environment, you know, because yeah. um, you got a lot of life to live after it's over. And uh, and so, yeah, I, I love the college volleyball experience a lot. Do you hear from athletes who might come to you for advice, given that you help guide them through an important part of their life where they might say, hey, I have a job offer here or uh, I have this going on here. And what do you think? Yeah, from time to time, particularly the ones that are overseas, they, yeah. they have to make a difficult decision. And, and again, if I've done my job well, they already have a value system in place where, where they don't need to make that call. But occasionally, they'll, they'll I don't know, Ty goes to the runner, they'll call me for a little push uh, when they think they know what the right thing to do is. But I think I am proud of the fact that they don't need to call that often, that they are finding success professionally and personally because of the values that they created while they were uh, here with me. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's my answer to that. Yeah, and you have, I think if I read right, you had never had a transfer player, right, through your whole head coaching career at Washington? Yeah, eight years at Washington, and, um, again, the, the environment. And, and when I say that, I mean transfer away. You had brought Correct. in a transfer, but I, I should clarify before we further that uh, you didn't have anyone leave the program um, uh, to go play elsewhere. Yeah, eight years, and, again, that, that's a lot of work by a lot of people and a university, and it speaks to the, to the number of people that were – really bought in and invested. Um, but yeah, no players that, that transferred or even quit. You know, there were some players who had to medically retire and they stayed with the program and kept contributing. So um, again, do, do feel a great sense of pride. We talk about winning and losing and success and failure. That certainly is one of my greatest successes in my time in, in Washington. 
are you uh, in your philosophy in terms of a coach when you uh, try to balance, and I think you've hit on it a little bit here, um, building the right way and, and approaching things in the right way. Uh, and it doesn't have to mean that you would sacrifice wins, right? I mean, you can, there's that, uh, I suppose that perfect hybrid would be you can do that and win at a high level, which you did at Washington. What is the fine line there b- between, um, you know, reaching for that ultimate goal uh, and then also uh, coaching the way you want to coach without compromise, I guess. Yeah, has to has to be both. Yeah, yeah. If it's not both, then then I know that I'm not going to be personally satisfied. You know, um, if we don't reach our competitive goals, then then they'll discount the way that we've gone about things. And and if we reach them and pay a price that you shouldn't pay, then then what's the meaning? And I've never understood how someone could could kind of cross that line and and get to that pinnacle moment. How sad would that be? I imagine them in that moment. How sad would that be that you finally get there, but you know. I didn't get here the way I was supposed to yeah. with all the people that are supposed to be here with me. So um, I'm going to be pretty uncompromising in, in both those spaces. We, we, we have to do both. How patient sometimes does that make you? Or have you found that if you're coaching good people that the success follows anyway? Yeah, I don't think any, we're not very good at giving ourselves credit for what we've accomplished. And even after eight years, there's days where I think, man, I'm such an imposter. But I think a lot of great leaders will tell you that, that, um, you know, we have to accept the overwhelming amount of evidence that exists for ourselves. But the fact that maybe we don't, that we live in the now gives us the best chance to do it again and again and again. Are you uh, generally an optimistic or pessimistic coach? Because I think Hugh has talked about uh, that he coaches are uh, perpetually uh, disappointed because they always want more. They want to make an adjustment even in times of winning. And I think PJ Fleck on occasion has has stolen that line from Hugh. Um, and I'm not saying that Hugh or PJ are pessimists. I think they're two of the more optimistic people I know, but maybe the word would be satisfied, never quite satisfied. Even at competing at a high level. How would you, how do you, uh, you know, how do you, uh, you know, balance that, uh, you know, uh, between wanting to always strive to be the best, but enjoy the ride, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As you were talking, I was thinking, having a rational belief of what's possible, of what the athlete's (laughs) capable of, maybe is how I would describe that. And, um, you know, there is a line, I think, I worry about perfectionism in young athletes and the effect that that has on them. That's something that I'm very aware of, that that will never be perfect. But but I do, again, irrationally believe in what each player is capable of and, and won't be shy in, in trying to help them share that, that same belief. Yeah. Let me chat real quick here about Affinity Plus, one of the great Gopher sponsors there is. They're your local credit union, proudly serving Minnesota since 1930. If you're a current Gopher student or a proud Gopher alum, either way, you're eligible to join a financial that wants to build a meaningful banking relationship and put you first. Meet with a local employee at any of their branches statewide, including one right near campus on University in Minneapolis. To learn more or find other ways to connect, go to affinityplus.org slash go gophers. Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA and a proud sponsor of the Go Gopher podcast with Mike Grimm. All right, on the court, we talked about this when we did the video just briefly in terms of, um, you know, strategies and and I, I do not understand all the different sub patterns and formations and even what positions or what I love watching volleyball and just admire the athleticism and the teamwork and all that goes on but I don't know X's and O's very well and I don't even like you know I think there's a lot of fans who just are like me they love it uh, I don't know well why isn't that working and why is that working uh, so for those real diehards who are listening to the podcast what philosophically uh, X 
X's and O's wise might they see? I suppose you want to keep a little secret too, right? You don't mm-hmm. want to tip your hand, so to speak. But what what uh, what what do you expect uh, from from what uh, you want to put on the court? Mm-hmm. First of all, stay in that space mentally. Uh, you sound like me as a soccer fan. I know little <laughs> and I enjoy a lot. Yeah. And so that's my first advice: stay in that space. Um, Things that are important to me that always have been, you know, just uh, serving is something that has, uh, when I was at St. Mary's, it was our secret you know, ingredient to kind of get things going against some very competitive programs in San Diego and Pepperdine. So serving has been a part of my uh, coaching career at every level from, from club, from my time at Washington, and will continue to be here, helping our athletes create aggressive serving identities that that, um, that they'll execute in all conditions. So, so that's something that's important to me. Um, the speed of this offense was was very impressive to me last year. I expect that to continue. I expect there to be some some modifications, uh, you know, as there always are. But it should look relatively familiar. It's not something that that needs to be changed too much. Um, again, I've got a, a strong belief in what's possible as in a blocking sense. I think this team which was a great blocking team last year, can be one of the best blocking teams. And then certainly my staff has, has heard me talk about that. So those three skills stand out to me. Just um, And then lastly, I think you know, people who are watching this team know that we've got some younger outside hitters who can develop, especially in their serve-receive. And so this winter and spring, we'll be spending a lot of time investing uh, in their ability to receive serve um, and, and that's something that I'm looking forward to. Recruiting, how has that been? How have you been received? What's the feedback you're getting as you uh, now hit the road and start recruiting future Golden Gophers? Yeah, a lot of excitement. It's it, We're in this period now. We don't start officially till February 15th where we get out and get to see the younger athletes, but uh, lots of conversations with graduate uh, transfers at this point. And, um, you know, we'll have an opportunity to host some on a visit here uh, this Friday, which, which is which is a big deal for us. Again, we've got a great core of a team, and we'd like to add a few more pieces here. Uh, again, they won't be able to join us until June, but um, yeah, we're we're, we're going to hit the ground running in that space. All right, um, you as a volleyball coach uh, started as a volleyball player. How did your love for volleyball start? And you played at St. Mary's, and kind of take me through when you first realized that this was a sport that one you loved, and two, here you are now, all these years later, uh, and it's a, it's a vocation and a passion all rolled into one. Yeah, my playing career is the shortest part of my, my relationship <laughs> with volleyball. Uh, yeah, younger brother of, of a Division One player and, and certainly found the game and had some, some good mentors and some good coaches. But, uh, you know, never physically uh, able to play the game as well as I wanted to. Um, originally, the plan was to be a high school math teacher and to coach <laughs> high school volleyball. I started coaching high school volleyball at 18, so I was an 18-year-old coaching 14-year-olds, and then the next year I was the varsity coach, so I was a 19-year-old coaching 18-year-olds. Oh my goodness! And uh, you, you do some growing up pretty quick in that sense. But as I went through my uh, college career, I got involved with Rob Browning, uh, who was shared was on the same staff as Hugh um, for the for the Olympic team, and. Rob was a huge mentor. He, he, he got me involved in sports analytics really early. He understood my, my affinity for math at that time, got me involved with video and, and, and sports analytics very quickly. Um, I think I remember him handing me a laptop with a program, and then he walked away and said, here you go. And then I figured the rest out on my own. Uh, but coaching all day and all night. I'd be at St. Mary's all day, and then I would coach these competitive club teams all night. I did that for 10 years at St. Mary's um, as both an undergraduate and a full-time assistant coach. And to some degree, head coaching is head coaching, you know, uh, having difficult conversations with parents and athletes, having to make tough decisions, having to manage in-game decisions, all those things. I was building skills without really even knowing it. And um, 
And so when the opportunity finally did come for me to be a head coach, I had experience in, in that space, even though I had only been a collegiate assistant. I think that time was very formative for me. Wonderful philosophy, good background. Um, volleyball also, we mentioned vocation, passion, um, and I don't know how you and your wife got connected. I know she is a former player. I'm assuming that uh, you met through volleyball as well through that part of your yeah, life. Yeah, I think about that a lot now, just volleyball, that the, the game gives back. I'll tell the athletes that, you know, we have a lot of days where we're uh, grinding it out, you know, <laughs> think about some days standing in convention centers recruiting for 12 hours on cement, you know, and those are not the most mentally stimulating days. But but if you do it enough and you're planting enough seeds, the game will give back. And so uh, the most important people in my life I've, I've met through volleyball and um, my wife, who was a professional player and All-American at, at Texas A&M, was actually a tour guide in her off seasons uh, overseas in Europe. And so she would take uh, American college teams around through Europe uh, on their foreign tours. So she took the Washington team on a foreign tour in 2017. And, um, and so that's where I first met her. And, um, yeah, it was the best money that Washington ever spent uh, for me, you know, in terms of letting me go on a 10 day, uh, trip Europe with my future wife and, um, stayed in touch. Um, I think our first date was in New York and our second date right before season was about to start, I flew to London for our second date. And, um, and then she had moved to Seattle by January. And so, um, yeah, I'll tell the athletes a lot. I'll joke with them. I'll say, Hey, if you don't know, don't go. But when you know, go fast. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, I'm very thankful for, for volleyball bringing me, Sarah. Yeah. And now Oliver, your son, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's – he is what, now a year and a half? You know, he's, he's probably uh, 13 months. You so know, just uh, over a year. Yeah. yeah uh, Attitude-wise, he might be, uh, yeah, five years old. But uh, <laughs> it's a fun time. I, he's back in Seattle with Sarah. Uh, you know, I get some pictures every day. He's on the verge of walking. I'm hoping to get this house figured out so that I can see those first steps. But, um, yeah, again, what a wonderful, wonderful thing, you know, besides coaching, being a husband and father is just – best. Yeah, and all this kind of through volleyball, as we mentioned, last couple for you here on our podcast. Also, um, you think about that, and you met your wife overseas, you've coached on national teams, you've, I mean, think of the places and things you've gotten to see just through volleyball, right? Yeah, can when you really write it out or think about it, you know, I've been to China, I've been to Amalfi, I've been to, you know, Mexico, and um then as that gratitude, you start to feel a lot of gratitude to the game and a renewed passion to give back and to be part of, of things bigger than yourself, um, whether that's through USA Volleyball or other spaces. But that's something I'm looking forward to sharing with these athletes that, that you know, if they can stay in it, they're going to find themselves in some incredible life-changing scenarios because of the discipline that they've had in their lives. And they're right at that point where I think the game starts giving some returns on time invested. So, yeah, you're going to see us travel quite a bit. I think that's going to be a big part of, of our program. Yeah, and just generally, uh, that schedule, are you uh, thinking you want to keep it, you know, a, a tough non-conference schedule? And even that, I mean, even domestically, you think about in recent years, you know, the Gophers have been to Florida and Texas and California and, you know, Oregon and and, and other cool spots. To I mean, you're, you're going to get to Happy Valley and Champaign and Ann Arbor and, you know, all when you're at least you get to go in the fall we go for basketball and it's a gray it doesn't matter what city you're in in the big 10 it's gray the sun's never out i think the sun only shines in minneapolis but um at least in the fall early you get to see uh you know some some cool spots but philosophically schedule wise that was a long way to weave into uh what 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 is your general thoughts scheduling yeah i like it there's there's lots of ways to go about scheduling i think fans have a misunderstanding of of the difficulty of scheduling it, it, it's like recruiting with more i don't know back deals it's 
the worst, honestly. So, um, but you don't just get to pick where you want to go or who wants to play you. Um, it's, it's a very complicated situation. But what you can expect from us is a very challenging schedule, especially right off the bat. The first two weeks, I can tell you what we're working on will be very difficult. Um, but then I hope to put this team in special spaces. I hope to put them in venues that appreciate the game, in venues uh, where fans are going to show up. The, these athletes deserve those experiences. That we're not going to grow the game unless we bring those kinds of matches together. So I think you can expect that, that some of the most, you know, hope to put these athletes over the course of four or five years in as many of the great volleyball spaces in this country. Uh, that, that's just been my general philosophy. Great. And hopefully uh, get the chance for some of those Gopher fans to go on the road with and, and see some of those cool spots and cheer on the maroon and gold. Well, I've kept you longer than I promised already, but uh, very compelling. Um, hopefully this is the first of many uh, visits we can have on this podcast. And uh, it's been great. It's been fun. I know it's been a hectic time for you. And it, it kind of gets going now for real as the school year is starting here for the spring semester and uh, first team meeting and first different things this week. So thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for sharing this time. Appreciate right. it. There he is, Keegan Cook. It's the volleyball episode number 54. Thanks again to Keegan Cook, brand new Golden Gopher volleyball coach. He took some time during a very busy period to spend it with us on the Go Gopher podcast episode 54. I hope you enjoyed learning more about Keegan as much as I did. I like the future of Golden Gopher Volleyball. The Go Gopher podcast is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com. We're also proud to be supported by Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, your local credit union throughout the state of Minnesota. Go to affinityplus.org slash gogophers. We're also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland. Again, I invite you to listen to past podcast and please click the subscribe button right now to the go gopher podcast it's absolutely free and share the link on your social media channels so others can listen as well we'll talk again next week